welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is no thing or something about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian in KC. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the show on Twitter. That is at H-E-F-Pod. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt on Instagram. If you do so choose, we got a guy who runs that like a well-oiled machine. So if you haven't had a chance to like and subscribe to us on Instagram, please do. Quite interactive on there. Uh, you can always get in contact with, uh, to us in other forms. That is Facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod, where we currently post all of the latest news and information in, uh, covering Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language all in one convenient location. And, of course, you can always get in contact with the podcast. That is HeyEintrachtFrankfurt at gmail.com. So, going a little back in time, we did not have enough time in between the Europa Pokal and the Bundesliga itself to record an episode. So, we will get through both matches uh, this time around and the big news that also comes with one of those matches. And here to help me discuss all things Eintracht, it's Chris in Detroit. How's the Motor City? Brian, things are going great. Uh, we made it back from Texas. I missed last week, so I'm going to give a quick shout out uh, to the crew down in Austin, the EFC Adler group in Austin, uh, Richard, Angie, the whole crew down there was Absolutely awesome. We had some good drinks, some big cheers. Frankfurt won the match. Um, <laughs> the Detroit group showed uh, pretty well hungover from the night before in San Antonio at the USL match. But we had an awesome time there. And uh, if anyone's listening from Torchy's Tacos, I'm ready to invest. Bring your freaking breakfast tacos up here right now. Goodness me. Um who caught who drank the most then? That's a question. Is that a serious question? Yeah. <laughs> you know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and of course I was the one that had to drive up there too, and my goodness, I I made it. We were safe. It just it, there were five of decisions. us in a very small car. Five You've guys made better decisions. Five Michigan-sized guys in a very small car. It was rough. Well, that's what happens when you don't go full size. I mean, shoot, if you're even on the Isle of Manhattan, uh, you want to go full size uh, or at least uh, try and get as big as you can. Uh, we stay on that Isle of Manhattan to welcome our other uh, guest podcaster extraordinaire and the man behind uh, Hey, I'm Trek Frankfurt on Instagram. It's Matt in the Big Apple. What's going on? Starving now after hearing about those tacos from Chris's side of things. I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta show me the ways about this place. It, it, speaking from myself, uh, as there is one in my home of Kansas City, it is quite phenomenal. Though I did not know that they served breakfast, so now uh, that I know that, they I have to experience it that way. They have a whole full service bar too. Walk in there, get your oh, breakfast yeah. tacos, have a cocktail. I don't know about in Kansas. Ooh. It was there. It technically is literally on the Missouri side of State Line Road. So there you go. It was there. It was there. And I mean, shoot, uh, there should. I mean, I would assume there's a couple of good taco joints in New York. Uh, just an assumption based on the fact that it's one of the biggest melting pots in the entire world. So, but anyways, uh, I mean, we're here to talk about Eintracht, not exactly talk about tacos here, boys. Um, 
So, yeah. I mean, yes, that is true. So, Eintracht, 25,000 fans in the Vaud Stadion uh, for their Europa League match against Real Betis. It was 2-1 in the first leg. And this one ended 1-1. After extra time, though, <sighs> let's just put it this way. Um, drama never ceases to not follow the Eintracht as the Eintracht gave up a 90th minute goal. Just a tiny little flick on for those people who love the, our hockey references. It's like that guy who stands right in front of the, uh, the goalie who just happens to uh, just tip it just ever so slightly to redirect it. And it went right past Kevin Trapp. That's in it to extra time. And then uh, Hinty in the 20. 20- 121st Minton had a header deflected then off of um, Guido Rodriguez and in the net it went. Stadium went mad. Well, minus the Baptist fans who did show up in force and sung their hearts out, which you could hear on the broadcast. And yeah, the fans went nuts. The players and coaching staff just swarmed the field. Hey, even though technically there are a few moments left to play, boys, this was a uh, this is like the epitome of what it's like to be an Eintracht fan. You think like you wait until the last possible second to freaking uh, get the winner, or in this case, the equalizer, and in the meantime, your heart basically is having you know constant uh, close uh, close to near heart attacks uh, throughout the entire match. There's a reason why they say sometimes that being a soccer fan is the most dangerous thing to your health. No, Especially it's called being an Eintracht fan yeah. is being <laughs> the most dangerous thing to your health. You were completely wrong. I mean, the whole game itself was so exhilarating and so high intense. I mean, you could tell Real Betis was just shoving everything they had down our throats. I mean... Trap was getting pummeled on the on the on the goal side of things, but so but so was the Real Betis side. Um, but yeah, it, it just seemed like we were kind of just parking the bus a little bit throughout the whole game. Obviously, it didn't work out with you know that. Ugh, I mean, that goal could be blamed on Tuta in a sense that Betis scored the 90th minute. Should he have cleared it out? Should he have at least just like somehow gotten a ricochet, like kick the ball away, especially in those dying moments? Yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to be bitter about, you know, that kind of goal because, holy crap, I know that was an own goal by Rodriguez, but Hinty came through with that header. It was just another beautiful cross by Costage. I mean, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's probably second-guessing about our relationship after seeing me scream down the place once he scored that goal. (laughs) It was just absolutely incredible. I mean, it was just beautiful moments. I mean, I'm sure men were crying in the stadium. I I had a few few tears in my eyes, too. I just couldn't believe it that, you know, we avoided a penalty shootout, yet let alone scored a beautiful well not a beautiful goal but a, a kind of a comedic goal in the 120th minute and to send us into the you know Europa League quarterfinals again yeah um I had the luxury I don't know if it was a luxury it was kind of a curse as well um I did not have an opportunity to see this live I was uh with a family event at the time but as I'm following our our group text and getting updates, all hell broke loose for the 90th minute of, of regulation and then into the extra time. You guys are texting, and I have no idea by the context of the text what the hell that means for the game. <laughs> Everyone just lost their bloody minds. It was ridiculous. Um, but having Such the luxury... 
Yeah. Having the luxury of knowing the result um, and going into it, knowing everything would be okay. It kind of gave me a different perspective on this one. (laughs) Uh, When I watched that equalizer from Real Betis, the thing I noticed was when you're in that situation, offensively, they're scrambling. Defensively, we're scrambling. It happens at the end of any second leg that's close. Um, I think I thought we did a really good job of keeping things together, but they just threw one of those chaos balls across uh, 50-50 play. Their guy got the foot on it first. I don't know if I want to throw blame for that one, but I what I will do is throw a tremendous amount of love to our guys for showing up in extra time. It would have been really easy to say, here goes Frankfurt again, doing what they do, the Moody Diva, all that shit we've heard over and over. Uh, I, I don't think we buried it because you never bury it, no matter how hard you try around here. But what we did was respond and in a way with the most hinty of hinty goals. Uh, it's never pretty. It's always physical. And Hinty, you know, got in there, didn't even go off his head. It went off his shoulder for crying out loud. Um, Hinty doing what Hinty does best. And that's just making a big play at the right time. And for all of his struggles personally this year, for how much shit he's gotten from us and others, uh, for him to, to do that was just a big thing, I think. And really a turning point in the season if we can build off of it. I mean, yeah, this definitely that was a good point right there you made uh, with, you know, Hinty morale kind of getting boosted here because, yeah, he was getting shit on left and right. And then I think his game coming back was against Bayern when he really shut down Lewandowski. And now, you know, with this, even though it's technically an own goal, um, I'm still considering this a Hinty goal. And, you know, this definitely boosted his confidence and it's going to help us, you know, yeah. maybe even make a surprising run here. You know, in all fairness to Hinty. He did not shy away from the criticism. He owned up to it. He, you know, mm-hmm. he said publicly, um, I need to be better. And I'm one of the leaders on this team. And any deficiency in the defense, any deficiency up and down the pitch, you can put it on my shoulders because I deserve the criticism. And to come out and do something like that at the moment where we needed it the most at, you know, 120 plus one, uh, you could not ask for a better guy to stand up and make a play there. I was going to say, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Hinterrega, uh, it was a little bit of, I mean, if you go through the match, let's, let me kind of take things back a little bit. Uh, look at who was being outstanding. Yeah. Indica and Hinti both being pretty solid rocks and Tuta as well. Like they were making sure that Kevin Trapp, whilst he faced shots, he, he wasn't facing high percentage, like, scoring shots for the most part of the right. match. Right. There was only one moment. There was, like, a I think it was a header or a corner where the ball bounced off the ground weirdly, and it was, looked like it was going to hit the top corner, but mm-hmm. it was kind of slow. That was kind of, like, the one big save Hinty had to make for us. It was also hard for me to watch because there was also the NCAA basketball tournament going on at work, and all my coworkers wanted to watch that, and I'm like, oi, shut up. I'm watching something that's way more important. They're like, what is way more important? And I'm like, um, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, fuck off. I mean, it doesn't help that your team was miles away from the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Kevin Trapp was, you know, I think I, or sorry, I think Hinty and Deke were absolutely incredible. 
um, back there, and, and as well as Tutu. I mean, the, the the three of them are looking great right now. It sucks that you know there looks like they're finally connecting towards the later part of the season here. Maybe they'll help help us out in the Europa League. Maybe they'll help us up towards the chase of possibly getting a Europa League spot next year. Um, but I, they're they're fighting heat at the at the late part of the season. That's for sure. And- you know, I don't. I, I uh, real quick, I don't think we can underestimate how big it was that over 210 minutes against one of the top scoring teams in Spain, we allowed two goals. That is impressive for anybody, uh, let alone somebody that's had defensive struggles, not necessarily statistically, but just organizationally like we have. Our back line, while we haven't allowed a ton of goals, we haven't exactly kept good shape and made smart plays with the ball and to only allow two goals in 210-plus minutes was really encouraging. No, you're right. Look, uh, this team that we were playing, it's a, it's a really damn good team. They constantly are performing when it comes to La Liga. You know, they made the uh, – during the, uh, gosh, Copa del Rey final. You know, that's a big deal over there. They've scored a boatload of goals, as you mentioned, Chris. I mean – in total, I mean, from their 29 matches played, uh, they've got 50 goals. That's that's a, that's nearly at a goal and a half per match. Which it's a high scoring and, offense. Yeah, the the only other uh, sides that in La Liga that have as many goals as that are Real Madrid, Barcelona, and you have and uh, Atletico Madrid. That's it. Like that's good company. Yeah, the only team that like is above them in the table who has scored more is their in-city rivals, Sevilla, who also lost in the <laughs> co-figure that both of the Seville teams would bow out when the final is going to be hosted in Seville. We'll get to who is playing whom in a moment. But before we kind of wrap uh, up our discussion of Eintracht and Betis, what can you say uh, that we're going to be able to take away and say, no, this is this is a learning moment that we're actually going to be able to apply this down the road. I'll let you have the first shake at that, uh, take at that. At I think I think what we learned about this game was how we can survive. And like I said earlier, it was ninety minutes of relentless pressure coming towards us. Yes, we had a couple counterattacking opportunities, a few opportunities that Lindstrom should have scored on. Um, he's allergic to scoring or shooting for some reason now, but I mean. I think what we learned is that we can survive here. We can we are trusting our defensive side a lot. Jakic has been working a lot more on the defensive side of things than the offensive side of things. So is controlling the midfield a lot more than he's been doing it. And I think this game literally taught us how we can kind of bunker down, survive, and you know, poke our heads out when we need to at certain situations. Yeah. Uh there's the, the key word you use there is survive. Uh, we were really put up against the wall and we fought our way out and kicked them back really hard, I think. Um, the thing for me is that the defense, while they bent, they allowed a goal, they did not break. In the extra time, uh, Real Betis had a couple good looks. They really weren't quality chances, uh, yet we had the one that put us ahead. So what I want to see is the confidence built off that. And I know we're about to talk about the Leipzig and the, the 
cross over into that one. But that's the kind of win we can carry after the international break into further Europa League play and the confidence that we can beat a top-level team at home. Well, hey, that's uh, comforting enough because what is the thing that we were excited for on Friday? Guess what, folks? Draw. We got the Europa League draw. We found out who we play in the semifinals. And now we see it is the big team that won big at the big derby in Spain at the weekend. It is none other than FC Barcelona. Woof. Talk about really not a big fish, boys. It's fine yeah, by me. I mean, got to beat the best to be the best, right? Is that what they keep saying? I mean, this, I mean, in all honesty, this probably could have been, I mean, obviously this was the worst draw we could have gotten. I mean, I would have loved to play like a West Ham maybe, because mm-hmm. that would have been very, very interesting with the fan interaction there. Um, I, I think Atalanta would have been scary to play too. And then obviously Leipzig would have been kind of like boring in a sense. So, I mean, I guess this is like the, the, the second or third best option that we would have had right uh, for this uh, mm-hmm. game. But I mean... It's Barcelona. They are a hot team right now. I mean, they just whooped Real Madrid for nothing um, in the El Clasico over the weekend. And, you know, they're a team that has been unbeaten in 12 now. You know, they found their form with Xavi. Now, spin zone, maybe now they're getting too hot. And by the time it comes to April, that when they, when they play us, the, it's, they sizzle out a little bit and they, cho- and they, you know, choke one game. That can be in our favor. But, I mean, that's a huge spin zone. But, I mean... FC Barcelona playing Eintracht Frankfurt. I mean, it doesn't get I bigger. Don't ever, I've never thought that these two teams would ever match up with, with each other. I mean, it's 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 kind of awesome. It's really cool to see Frankfurt in that kind of flashlight. But I mean, woof, woof, woof. Big you know, fish. I look at it. Big fish. <laughs> I look at it from the perspective. Uh, uh, for me, Europa League is a consolation prize for them. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. I don't know Barcelona well enough. But they've got a fight on their hands to stay qualified for Champions League and La Liga. We saw them show up this weekend, like you said, and kick around Real Madrid. Uh, but Real Betis is on their heels. Um, Atletico Madrid is tied with them on points. Uh, they're not far away from slipping out of that Champions League spot. So... I feel like all of their focus is on the league, whereas, you know, a misstep, well, they can qualify via Europa League. That's probably not their preference at this point. Maybe we can catch them off guard. I definitely think that this is the moment where we can play against a big fish. Let's be let's It's a Barcelona. They're going to play Aubameyang, guys. They're going to play all the key players. I mean, they're going to want to get a trophy. They have to get some sort of trophy in there. They're not going to win La Liga. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what yeah. their Copa del Rey situation is they're right out. now, but... There you go. So and this is the only trophy they can really win. It is It is a big club, but let's not act like we haven't played them in the, pla- in the past. We played the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's and other big names that are out there. We Inter. will not be intimidated going into this. I still maintain that we outplayed Chelsea and should have won that. Um, Agreed. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we're going to outplay Barcelona, but we love to play up to the competition. So I'm not going to write us off yet. You're right, and I don't. I don't want to write us off either. You know, it's just 
you know, we, were, we play so well against Bayern. We play so well against Dortmund. And, you know, like you said, we play against, well against Chelsea. We play well against Arsenal. We play well against Inter. I almost want to put Shakhtar in that kind of mix as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, put Real Betis in there too right now as well. You know, cross that off our list. So, you're right. I mean, the opt- I, I, I wish I had your optimist. I mean, we, we do play very, very uh, well against these big teams, but... It's I'm not calling the Barcelona. win yet. <laughs> it's Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not ready to you know put down the money on the the money line yet. But I'm just saying if we keep building off the momentum that we have the last few weeks, um, I wouldn't write anything off as just an easy win for Barcelona right now. Right. It's a shame we got the biggest team that we possibly could get. You would think that we would want to do that for like the final, but hey, you know what? You can only beat the teams that are in front of you. Uh, the other teams that were involved in the draw went out as follows. Our fellow German side, Leipzig, will face off against Atalanta. The winner of that will face the winner of uh, Braga from Portugal and Glasgow Rangers from Scotland. We, or Barcelona, I'm thinking the Eagles, just saying, but hey, uh, just a little bit biased. We will face the winner of West Ham United and uh, from uh, England, in case anyone had caught on, and Olympic Lyon <laughs> from France. So needless to say, boys, we got absolutely hosed. We are on, by a long margin, the hardest side of the bracket but hey you know what at the end of the day um that's just the way that the that's just the way the chips fell for us and i'm okay with it it's like you can all if you're gonna win the competition it's not like you can just beat a whole bunch of minnows that's what the europa conference league is for yeah if we're gonna go out let's go out swinging against the best team on paper at least in the competition i have no problem with that at all it, you know i'd feel worse if we went out and lost to real betis last week to me you know you don't want to go out against a fifth fifth place side you want to go out against you know somebody who's fighting uh for that champions league spot somebody that's fighting and beating the top teams in their league and that's barcelona right now and i feel like i should probably apologize to those people who are like but the at this point in the table, we're just on the outside of even being a team that would qualify for the Europa Conference League, which those teams are like your Eindhoven's, your Roma's, and Marseille's and the like. So it's not like as though that's a horrible competition, but yeah, please continue. Brian, and honestly, Matt. I think it would be better. <laughs> I think it would be better if we beat Barcelona now than it would be in the final mm-hmm. because then we would beat them in quote unquote two games rather than just the one. And then all those Barca fans are going to say, "Well, you know, we had a really bad game and we didn't have all the end- uh, bullshit." Now nah, we beat you guys twice this time, not just the one time. So, like I said, I mean, it is. It takes to be the best. You got to beat the best, right? Hundred percent, and uh, when it does come down to it, I'd like to be able to go against the one of the two biggest fish from Spain and actually win this time, as opposed to lose in the grandiose final in Glasgow in 1960 to a team uh, paid out by Franco's thugs. That will be Real Madrid, everybody who is curious of what yeah, the heck I was talking me. about. <laughs> <laughs> the so-called greatest final, cup final, European cup final that ever was. 
we didn't end up on the winning end, but hey, you know what? One of those teams is uh, someone who might know uh, kind of the Eintracht's uh, history when it comes to European play. That actual uh, cup run uh, to that final, as I mentioned, uh, we fell to Real Madrid at the final hurdle. One of those teams is actually still in the mix. Uh, Glasgow Rangers, still, uh, who we defeated uh, 6-1, then 6-3 in equal measure in the semifinals is still uh, in the draw. And won't that be hilarious if that, if, you know, we were to proceed all the way to the final and it was those guys being played in Spain as opposed to Scotland and we're facing a Scottish team, not a Spanish team. It will be a funny uh, full circle for our first uh, European final since uh, the, uh, the, you know, since we uh, beat Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, over the two matches. Really way back, back when. though. You're looking way too far ahead. Okay, far okay, ahead. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. Uh, boys, I think that's a good enough time to put a supper in the podcast at this moment. Friend, bring on our favorite segment breaker. Hashtag, what are we drinking? Chris, I'm actually going to you first this time. All right. So I got off the Peloton tonight after an absolutely exhausting ride. And the first thing I could think of is, hey, it's time for hashtag what are we drinking? What am I going to do to reverse all the gains on that ride? So I looked at the whiskey shelf. And this is not a new one for me, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, Glyph out of uh, San Francisco, California. A molecular-based whiskey. It's all done with super secret science stuff. Uh, Vanilla spice, smoky kind of whiskey uh, made for taste. No, no, no. It's cool because they don't do like traditional whiskey making like most people do. They use like science and smart people stuff, but it's really good stuff and it's super cheap. There you go. What do you got, Matt? Well, I got myself some whiskey as well. I got some new riff and as I'm going to try and go as analytically, analytically deep here as Chris does, this <laughs> bottle is tall, it's skinny, there's a little bit of black in it and it tastes really good. There you go. Uh, I brought back the Edelweiss since it had uh, brought us a win last time out and I'm feeling lucky. So there we go. Uh, Ed- We're all throwing out something different uh, this week. All right, wait. And that's going to wrap it up for hashtag what are we drinking? We'll be back with Frown Corner in just a bit. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. We're back with segment two as the queen of Eintracht is over here chewing on her squeaky toy. So sorry about that, folks. <laughs> She's just looking. I, I am just calling the cow Catalonian cow at this point. So She's our favorite heckler. Oh, yeah. She's just heckling, the hecka, heckling us to the highest extent that any dog can. So uh, I mentioned... Uh, Frauen Corner. We had a big match this weekend. Uh, going down to Munich was able to watch that live. So 
That was at least a positive thing going into Friday. Another reason uh, kind of why we didn't want to record, considering the fact that it would almost be right on top of the Frauen playing themselves a little bit in a lot of turnaround. So, yeah, the Eintracht took on Bayern. We had a great first half. You know, we went down 1-0, got two goals back. But, uh, yeah, Bayern ended up finding three goals in the second half against the Eintracht, a 4-2 loss, which didn't help us as uh, as Turbine Potsdam leapfrogged us in the standings to go third. So the Eintracht had a rough weekend ahead of playing Wolfsburg next weekend. Woof, boys. Uh, Rough one for the ladies, needless to say. Well, you know, it it was rough in the sense that we got zero points out of it. But I'm going to take a little more positive approach to this because we were right there with them through 70, 75 minutes. Uh, Shout out to AGA Football for putting that one on uh, on NBC Sports for those of us in the States. Really nice to see a, a legal stream for 90 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Laura Fragan goal uh, that tied things up, um, absolute wicked curl from the corner of the 18-yard box right off the inside of the post. You cannot do it better. Men's or women's flat-footed to move it like she did was just awesome. And... Laura Prashnikar, who's set up so many opportunities for us this year, actually giving us the lead right before the half, really seemed like a pivotal thing. Uh, the problem is that it woke Byron up coming out of the break. And it, like they came out strong in that second half. Um, they got their, their tying goal back. But things were fairly even through most of the second half. I'd say Byron had the chances, but... We had a few counters. We had a couple shots on target. I thought we could have done a better job keeping them down. Um, but once Byron scored that goal, go-ahead goal in the 80th, I think, um, we just had to push. So the 4-2 score with one coming right literally at the final whistle isn't really indicative of 4-2 final of how close this game was. It was really a 3-2 game, um, that fourth one just kind of being a throwaway. Not a bad result to take against a team that is probably the best in the league. I know they're not they're on first in the table on points right now, but as far as talent, I think they're better than Wolfsburg. We're about to find out because they're going to play head to head, but we've got matches available to make up points here. Uh, we go head to head with Potsdam here in a couple weeks. And uh, you know, there's going to be opportunities to get back into that champions league mix. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, we definitely came out strong in the first half. I mean, there's there's no better half than being up two one in the first half against <laughs> Bayern Munich, you know, in any in any sort of situation. But I mean, yeah, Bayern was just way too strong in the second half. I mean, one of those goals was an absolute golazo, you know, it was absolutely incredible. But I mean, it is what it is, you know. I mean, we have a couple of, well, quote-unquote, easy games. I mean, we play Wolfsburg, which is, again, another wolf, but then, you know, it gets easier with Colsaisiena and Leverkusen, and then, you know, we go right back at it with Potsdam in May. So, I mean, we just have to, you know, keep kind of keep the same energy, kind of keep the same motivation that we had going to Bayern, going to uh, Wolfsburg in a couple of weeks, or, yeah, next week, and then, um, 
Yeah. I mean, just got to keep the heads up, ladies. 100%. Uh, that- Got five matches left. So there's yep. there's points to be had. As of right now, we do not know if uh, Eintracht Wolfsburg will be shown uh, here uh, or abroad. Uh, I do have an inclination that it's going to be shown uh, for the American uh, audience, and here's why. They show every Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich match. So pretty <laughs> good chance. We're going to be on. So... Hang tight. Uh, follow us on our social media platforms of Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll be uh, pushing that out. Um, before we get into a kind of news and notes pro- part of the program, yeah, we have extra stuff to still talk about. Uh, the Eintracht actually played a Bundesliga match at the weekend. I know we normally just had come right on in with uh, the most recent match that the Eintracht has played, and yet here we're talking about Eintracht versus Leipzig, and boys, this one, I just knew this would be a hard one for the team to deal with, especially after all the drama that unfolded against Real Betis. And at the end of the match day, the team who I thought had way more talent on the pitch than the Eintracht was held. We had our first clean sheet of 2022, and it was away to Leipzig. Not exactly the uh, location that you would have thought where Eintracht would be getting its first clean sheet of the season at all. Well, first clean sheet of the year. We have this is our third overall clean sheet now. Not count. Well, because yeah. the other one was a 0 0 against Augsburg and then God. the 1 nothing or 2 nothing against Antwerp. So we got our third clean sheet. I mean, I finally got my clean sheet, boys. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> but I mean,. This was a snooze fest of a game. I mean, uh, we it? barely did anything. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, Bobby, I mean, hands up. I fell, I fell asleep between like the fifteenth to the thirtieth minute. Jesus, <laughs> but maybe that's also because I was super hungover from the <laughs> night before. But that is very, very irrelevant. <laughs> However, though, I mean. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we were able to get a 0-0 draw out of it. Honestly, that's the best, not best case scenario, but a great, great scenario for us. I mean, we were exhausted. Obviously, we, we left all of our few, a fumes out on the pitch on Thursday night when we played Betis. You know, I mean, we barely strung any passes together. I mean, Kostic was probably the only one who looked kind of hungry, and then Lindstrom was somehow allergic to shooting all damn day. <laughs> I mean, we should have at least had two or three shots on target, but Lindstrom decided to pass the ball while he's five yards away from the six-yard box, which, you know, that's a really, really good striker's instinct to have. But, I mean, he's also super, super young, so I'm not going to give him shit for it. But, I mean, dude, shoot the damn ball. Like, take a shot, especially when we don't have that many chances in the first half or even the whole game for that matter. But, I mean... We were exhausted. I mean, we were fouling Leipzig left and right. They were beating us on the on the touches. They were beating us in the 50-50s, and we had to make up for it by, you know, fouling them and getting a couple of yellow cards on our on our names. Way but too I many. Mean, Five in total. Yeah, what, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's what happens when you're tired. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 0-0 was honestly a really, really great result for us, a great way to go into the uh, international break. And, um, I mean... Yeah, it helped. It helped that was there are a couple other results in the Bundesliga went our in our favor. True, very true. Yeah, you know one thing that stands out to me: um, the defense again did their job. And anytime there's a clean sheet, everyone in the the back of the pitch can you know high five and and praise each other's good work. 
A little concerning that we didn't generate a single shot on target. Um, <laughs> you know, that's difficult, but I don't think we expected a lot of fireworks after. I know we all no. predicted, I think we all predicted the under uh, coming into it, just knowing that we're on tired legs with the extra time in Europa League. And, you know, it, it was kind of tough. It, it wasn't fun to watch, but a point against a top team when you're as tired and, and exhausted as we were is a good thing. We showed resilience. I totally will agree with that. You look at the, I mean, you guys have already mentioned the tired legs and Leipzig has been really since they made their coaching change to bring in uh, Tedesco. I mean, they really have been on like a real high constantly, you know, performing at the highest end. If, if you honestly, I'm looking at it now, the way that they've been playing, if they had put in Tedesco, uh, you know, instead of Jesse Marsh, you kind of got to scratch your head and wonder if we would have a proper title race in the Bundesliga this season. Instead, it's, you know, Bayern doing what Bayern does and Dortmund doing what Dortmund does, which is fall away at the challenges that are in front of them. And yeah, just it felt like every time they went forward, I'm like, oh, God, Silva, no, don't do this to us. Uh-oh. There's that Nkunku guy. I've heard all sorts of stuff about him. Olmo had like one shot right on with freaking Trap. Trap was on his game like crazy. And yet, you know, it, like I said, Lindstrom, golly, just when when he's off, he's off. And you just kind of like, golly, just Honestly, I, I was surprised that he lasted as long as he did in the 66th minute. Honestly, I was ready for, to put on Hauge and just be like, Hauge, give you a full 45. Show us what you got. Hrustik, well, he was playing for Rolda, who was, I mean, that kind of altered things because uh, there was no dribble so because of the yellow card accumulation. I mean, you just, the team just was out there, is like ready for the draw and not going to try all not trying to be all too complicated. Is that disheartening? A little, yes. But at the end of the day, that's a hard-fought draw that the team won, honestly, by just buckling down and just, you know, gritting it out until the very end, of which I'm just saying, should Eintracht get out to another lead in the first leg in our tie with Barcelona, we're going to need that grit to show up once again and then some because... I haven't seen what Barcelona did at the weekend. I was like, oh boy, that's what we got to face. Yuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's. This was honestly the perfect game to kind of you know warm us up for what could be the inevitable when we do play Barcelona. It's kind of like bunkering down. You know, don't lose shape, don't lose form. Let's you know, let's let's take our chances uh, when we get them. You know. Um, so this was kind of like a great way of setting it. I mean, it was definitely a mixture of tired legs and stuff like that. I mean, I wish we did a little bit more change in the lineup. I don't understand what the reasoning is by subbing so as the only person off and not like Andika, for example, for Hasebe, or maybe even resting Kamada off just in case for injury purposes, maybe even Bore a little bit. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you put it perfect there, Brian. It, it just, it just was what it is, what it is. Indeed, I think if if this match is played after a league match midweek and an English week or something like that, things are a little bit different. But we always struggle with the emotions coming out of Europa League too, 
and it wasn't like it wasn't like it was a bad performance it was just you know it it, it was neutral it was nothing and to come away with a point in a match it almost everyone expected us to lose it almost feels like a win you know i hate moral victories but that's what it felt like 100 percent. yeah this was definitely uh one of the most morally vic this is the most recent moral victory i can remember us having <laughs> you know i mean obviously the one with Betis wasn't technically a victory but that was definitely a victory um, oh, maybe the Bayern one nothing loss was a more victory now that I think about it, just because, you know, we shitty bet, shit the bet against Köln and Stuttgart and, well, sorry, Wolfsburg, um, before that. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you saw this as a more victory, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> gotta take something positive out of it. Exactly. Um, I gotta bring up, uh, something that's kind of been bugging me. Uh, well, we can, I mean, I guess we could talk about the guys who are going off on international duty. Uh, so guys are, um, yeah, just kind of. I'm really just glad that when we return from the international break, we don't have a big team. We have Groyta Firth at home. Guys, we're gonna have a full stadium for Groyta Firth. I know. I'm so excited. They announced that today. Just announced today, which means that the Barcelona match will also have a full stadium. And that was good because some of our guys are that are going off on international duty um, have been kind of key players, and I'll just kind of rattle off the ones who've been uh, kind of part of it. Uh, Ore has got uh, two international matches with Colombia, and he's been a constant in their lineup. Hrustic, whilst he's been kind of, I know, uh, more coming off the bench. Uh, you got uh, Bumper, uh uh, Australia versus Japan match where him and Kamada will be kind of squaring off and Kamada I mean he's, he's constantly in the starting 11 so uh, Japan's likely to play him every minute that they possibly can Henty has his uh, World Cup playoff match for Austria I mean those uh, those guys really are gonna be right up against it. everyone else is kind of just playing uh, friendlies uh, like uh, Trap, Yakik, uh, Torre, who's actually being called up for a pair of World Cup qualifiers from Mali. Uh, he changed uh, his national team, so good luck to him on that. Kostic and so are uh, the other two who I was thinking of when it came down to playing friendlies. Hope, hopefully those guys won't be so gassed, but uh, uh, like Bore and uh, Kamada, considering how much uh, Glasner does rely on those guys in his starting 11. Those could be some tired legs headed into Groyta Firth, but thank God it's Groyta Firth. 15 points from 27 matches. Now, this weekend had a lot of stuff shake up. Uh, Stuttgart beat Augsburg. Now, those guys are not just tied on points, but they're tied on goal difference. So, Stuttgart finds their head to head, goes to 14th. You got uh, Hertha, that Got the three points with freaking crazy McGath to be on twenty six points. Coach. <laughs> but he didn't even coach. He had COVID. Yeah, and he didn't even coach. He just train. He just beat them into submission, probably on the training pitch. Anywho's, yeah, uh, and you got Bielefeld, who just kind of uh, that kind of rolled over for her. So just, uh, just uh, 
just a weird one when it came to the down at the bottom. Um, Gladbach would have been on 27 points because I expected them to lose to Bochum. But I think this is a time uh, that we should mention because our fans are returning in full force, a full voice to the stadium. But we have to be wary of, of our behavior. Um, here in the United States, we had our fans start returning way before those in Europe were returning, and he had misbehavior everywhere. Chris, I know that you can attest to things probably happening in the Detroit uh, Pizza Arena uh, once the Pistons and Red Wings uh, were allowed to have fans back in there. But, you know, all over the American sporting landscape, they had fans misbehaving. It was because they had been away from society for so long due to COVID that people are having to adjust. Why am I bringing this up? It's because uh, at the weekend, uh, there was a fan who decided, you know what, screw this uh, uh, assistant referee running along the sidelines. I don't like how the match is going between Bochum and Gladbach. Throw his, decided to throw his beer. Why would you waste that, for one, just saying? And <laughs> why would you really try and hit the referee? What were you expecting to happen? So the referee got hit. Uh, the center blew time, and the next thing we know, uh, Bochum has been issued uh, an automatic administrative 2-0 defeat at the hands of Gladbach that wasn't earned internally entirely on sporting merit. This is a little bit of a black eye, and I hope something that we don't have to see from our fans. You know what? Well, no, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say we didn't we didn't really show that when we started the our game against Leipzig with the smoke that's delay smoke and stuff bombs. like that. But I, that's a smoke bomb. Yeah, that's exactly. not that's nothing compared to actually like something that can be anywhere construed as assault on a referee. Oh, correct. Oh, I I I completely agree with you on that. But it's it's just it's just unfortunate to see this type of behavior from fans. I mean, it seems like they kind of went back in time when there weren't any fans allowed into the fans, and now they're like they can't be throwing drinks at their TV screen anymore. Now they're actually throwing it at people if they do decide to throw their drinks. So, um, I mean, stupid, stupid on Bochum's fan side of things. But then again, we can't really say too much about fan stupidity from our ultras and whatnot. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the referees uh, walked away from the match. Honestly, it just kind of, you know, shows a power that, like, you know, we're not going to take this kind of, you know, abuse from, you know, just a regular fan. Like, it definitely, definitely understandable if it comes from, like, a player and stuff like that because of frustrations and whatnot, but not someone who's paying a seat to go watch that. And you watch a game, and you put it right there perfectly, Brian, too. Who the hell throws a beer in the first place? And apparently well, the beer in Bochum Stadium. A drink. Yeah, apparently the beer in Bochum is actually a lot better than you know, like Bush Light at a Yankee Stadium or something. Yeah, yeah. Good thing the Yankee Stadium doesn't sell Bush Light. It's Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it this way. I mean, uh, I mean, I could probably give a, a master class on this one. I work in professional sports venue security, but I'll keep it brief. Um, here in the states, we're given some tremendous access as fans uh, in basketball, hockey, you name the arena, you name the sport. We're right on top of the athletes. We're right on top of the officials. And 99% of the time, the interaction is good. Happen to be here in Detroit uh, in the arena I work in, um, a brawl that took place with LeBron James against the Pistons this year. Things got out of hand. Things got kind of wild. It, but there's a 
there's an inherent uh, contract between the fans and the players. When you go to the game, your interaction with the fans in the stands is exclusive to itself. If you want to heckle the other team's fans and do your thing, that's one thing. Um, but when you take it onto the pitch and you interact with the players or the officials, you have crossed that line. Um, there's a reason that a lot of stadiums in Europe have fencing up between the fans and, and the playing surface because of the history of things like this. And I cannot blame the officials one bit for leaving for their safety, for player safety. It's just not right to do that. And we have to, and it, I'm going to back up the smoke thing. Cause I think smoke is a very important, important part of the fan experience uh, at a high level soccer match. It doesn't cross that line of physical contact. If you want to delay the game for two minutes, which is kind of bullshit, because if you can't play through smoke, I mean, you play through snow and rain and other stuff, but um, smoke is not a physical object that in, uh, puts the safety of players or uh, the, the match personnel into question. And as soon as you throw a beer or I've seen a shoe thrown, um, it just, I'm, I'm ranting, but it gets out of hand and that's where they need to step in. Maybe, you know, Bochum is going to have to have a couple of ghost matches or something to say, Hey, remember, you know, and by the way, it's not like you're Bayern Munich, you're not winning shit and you're going out there and, you know, assaulting referees cause you don't like a call. It's kind of ridiculous, but I don't know. I, I look at what happened in Mexico last month ah. uh, with the, the chaotic situation there and yep. it makes mm-hmm. me question fans coming back to stands. Well, first the Mexico thing has been an issue for at least a decade now. It's been going on for a minute stands, and but, it doesn't help yeah. the fact that, uh, that was against, uh, two, uh, the match in question, Caretero and, uh, Atlas de Guadalajara, uh, multiple fights broke out in the stands and because there were 60 security personnel for the entire stadium. And Caratero Stadium uh, once was uh, was a two-time host, or at least the 86 uh, World Cup, the stadium played host. It's not a small venue. And it was able to spill then down onto the pitch. You know, uh, someone cut down, had a pulled out a knife and cut down uh, the goalkeeper's nets. The players got the hell out of there. 26 people were seriously injured, and three critically to the point that Caratero can't have any fans and Atlas can't have any away fans. That's, that's just an example of Nor how that went. Yeah. And not that, you know, look, a beer was thrown, a plastic cup was thrown, but they have to come down hard on that. Otherwise it becomes a series of coordinated things, you know, people with batteries or cell phones. I, I saw, I don't know what country it was, but as I was looking at some of these incidents recently in, in training for work, um, there's an incident in a country where people coordinated to bring old cell phones because you can carry a cell phone into the game. People are bringing their old cell phones from home and coordinating them to throw them on the pitch to injure the opposing team. That's the kind of stuff that, yes, it's just a single beer, but it leads to bigger things if you don't cut it off quickly. So I hope it's addressed. I hope the fans are smart enough. But, you know, being away for so long, people are emotional. And uh, I get it, but you got to learn to make good decisions when you drink like that. 
hundred percent. And it's it's funny when the fans throw tennis balls to protest uh Razabal's Lysis, who we just played, which is I mean, come on, that is funny. But when it's uh something just kind of being hurled out there, yeah, no. There's a line that cannot be crossed. So that's that's what I, I wanted to bring this up, considering full stadiums will now be allowed in, but just because we have that availability to be there in full voice does not mean that we have the right to uh, then utilize uh, that opportunity to cause bodily harm. Because at the end of the day, the referee is there uh, to enforce the rules of the game. Getting paid to do so, not that that's his full-time job. God only knows if he ran into a Bochum fan you know, in his day-to-day job if they recognized him. Really feel pity for the guy. But, you know, someone who attends a match, a foosball match, should not have to worry about, am I going to get knifed? Am I going to get beer? I mean, if you get beer spilled on your shoes, that's one thing. If you get beer spilled on your head, you can turn around and call the other dude a dick. (laughs) But at at the end of the day, uh, hopefully there is no malice. But that all being said, uh, I think uh, on a different sort of tone than was originally thought uh we will end this episode of hey eintracht frankfurt i'd like to thank both matt and chris for joining me on this one guys it's been way too much fun the question is uh when should we come back because i'm thinking we come back uh after the frown to be able to get through all the action that will happen for the international matches. So we're thinking about uh, maybe earlier in the week. What do you what do you think for next week? Or shall we just wait until the test match against Nuremberg is done and we're already getting amped up for Eintracht Kreuter Firth? You put out the call. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, you're the captain, Brian. You, you you steer the ship, and we'll make sure the ship gets there. Uh, I'll just make sure that there's no icebergs ahead. Uh, uh, figuratively speaking. That's going to wrap it up for this episode <laughs> of Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. I'd like to thank both guys for joining the podcast. Chris, where can we find you on social media, Landscape of the World? Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Peloton, at C in the D313. Matt, where can we find you in the social media landscape of the world? You can find me on the Twitter space at WAGMA underscore and then on the Instagram at Wagner8 underscore. I really love those underscores. <laughs> uh, Don't mess it up or you'll have a, a new friend for the show like we did a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to wrap it up from me. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. The other ways to follow the podcast uh, at HEFPod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash HEFPod. Hey, I'm Jack Frankfurt on Instagram. Until uh, the next episode where we will be previewing our match uh, returning to the Bundesliga against Greuther Fifth. Uh, until next time, folks. Stay safe. Uh, we do stand with Ukraine. And choose. She's our favorite heckler. Oh, yeah. She's just (laughs) heckling the hecker. Heckling us to the highest extent that any dog can.